If you were not here last Sunday, you're probably wondering, what in the world is that all about? If you were here last Sunday, do it again. Humiliation, crucifixion, exaltation. Today is the day of exaltation. Tanya, I got to tell. I'm at HEB this week. I'm taking my groceries out. I see Tanya Bunch across the room. She is carrying her groceries headed for the exit. She sees me. She turns, puts her groceries on the floor, and does this. (laughs) Way to not be afraid to give a witness in a public place, Tanya. That's awesome. I know people around us wondered what's going on. Well, God bless you all. I'm going to read all about it from Philippians. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Bow with me, please, for prayer. Father, we rejoice What an incredible morning of celebration. Thank you for allowing us to listen to and to participate in this incredible morning of worship. Thank you for the incredible music. And I pray that you have been pleased as we have lifted our voices in praise to you. Thank you for our Savior, Jesus. Thank you for his death on the cross, his glorious resurrection And the absolute certainty that he is coming again. Today we worship him in his exaltation. And I pray, Father, that you will speak to our hearts in these moments of worship. In the beautiful, precious name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord, I pray. Amen. Would you please open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter. The Gospel of John, the 20th chapter. We left this room Friday night, good Friday night, looking at the cross upon which Jesus died. I invited everyone to return and to hear the rest of the story. And that is what we are now going to read. Stand once again and honor the reading of God's Word. John chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Now, a pause. 
The other disciple is John. He's writing about himself. And remember that the other Gospels tell us that there were ladies who went to the tomb. And so Mary Magdalene is acknowledging that here when she says, We don't know where they have put him. Verse 3. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Pause. It's almost like he just came up out of the cloth, which is exactly what he did. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead, even though he had said it several times. Verse 10. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. Oh, wow. What sweet words. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. By the way, every believer in this room can say, I have seen the Lord. Maybe not with your physical eyes, but spiritually, you have seen the Lord. Now, lastly, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, still Sunday, they're together, the doors are locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. That's an understatement. Can you grasp the, the enormity of the moment? After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. In other words, I've got a job for you to do. Go tell people how they can know that I am alive. And you may be seated. All of history turned with the cross and the resurrection. Now, obviously, without the cross, there's not going to be a resurrection. But without the resurrection, the cross is with 
without meaning. So this morning we're going to talk about his stunning resurrection. And there are five things I want you to see from the text. And the first is this, the reality of his death. The reality of his death. Let there be no mistake about it. Jesus died on the cross. The body taken off of the cross was a dead body. One that had been battered and and beaten with enormous loss of blood and a spear thrust into its side by the Romans to finish him off, only to discover that he was already dead. Jesus' body was taken down and put in a borrowed tomb. And I assure you that the Jews and the Romans and the disciples were all absolutely certain that Jesus was dead. The reality of his death now opens the door for our forgiveness and for our new life if the dead Son of God will come back to life. But there is no evidence at all in Scripture that any of the disciples expected the resurrection of Jesus. Secondly, the reality of His resurrection. Only one world religion teaches the resurrection of its founder. Not Islam, not Hinduism, not Buddhism, not Judaism. Rather, only Christ followers teach, proclaim, and believe in a resurrected Lord and Savior. The resurrection and grace are the distinctives of the Christian faith. A resurrected Savior and salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. Now, the reality of His resurrection. What are some proofs? How do we know for certain that Jesus arose from the dead? I offer just three, though there are more. But the three that I offer first, eyewitnesses for 40 days, Jesus appeared over and over again to his disciples, including over 500 at one time. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writing, For I received what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, as he wrote 1 Corinthians, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. And so Jesus appeared many times. Many eyewitnesses saw him 
alive. In John 19 and John 20 that we just read, there are three different Greek words used in those verses for seeing. In verse 5, the Greek word is blepo, which means to glance. John glanced inside but didn't go inside. In verse 6, the Greek word is thereo, which means to take very careful notice of. Notice the progression. Now, to take very careful notice of the empty tomb and the cloths that are laying there. And then in verse 8, the word is oida, which means to see and literally to get it. To get the mental picture, to see physically, and to understand, to, to get it, to grasp it. He is really not here. And so the disciples, followers of Christ, over a period of 40 days, were eyewitnesses to the fact that Jesus is alive. Second proof is the empty tomb. The empty tomb. In the early days of the faith, as the gospel was spreading, as the Romans and Jewish rulers alike were becoming very concerned about this thing called Christianity, it could have been brought to an end immediately if only someone had gone to the tomb or some tomb opened it up and said, there he is, all of this is nonsense. But they couldn't because he wasn't there. He was alive. He is risen, just as the Scripture says. Some of you, like me, have had the opportunity to go and see the place in Jerusalem called the Garden Tomb. We don't know for certain if that is really where Jesus was temporarily buried It is certainly like that place, and there is certainly the possibility that that is the place. But one thing that is unmistakable, when you walk in, there is a sign on the door. It says, He is not here. He is risen. The tomb is empty. And then the third proof that I offer for the reality of His resurrection is the life of witness of the apostles and other early followers of Christ. Think about it. They were beaten, persecuted, jailed, murdered, martyred, all of them except John, who was exiled to a lonely island. Peter was crucified upside down according to tradition because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same manner as my Lord. And don't you think at some moment, if those disciples had known he really isn't alive, we were just seeing what we could perpetuate for whatever reason. Don't you think somewhere along the line, one of those disciples would have said, whoa, This was fun while it lasted, but I'm not dying for something that I know isn't true. But they all were willing to die because they knew this is the truth. I have seen him. 
with my own eyes. I have heard him with my own ears. I have touched him with my own fingers. I have been in his presence. I know that he is alive. The reality of his resurrection. Thirdly, I want us to think about the validity of his words. The validity of his words. The claims of Jesus are many. In the Gospels, we read that Jesus said, You have seen me, you have seen the Father. The Father and I are one. A clear, unmistakable claim to be God in the flesh. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the door to life eternal. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. And not only that, he said numerous times, I am going to die and I will rise again. What is the proof that those words, all of them, are true? Well, we certainly could point to the miracles of Jesus, including the raising of the dead. But ultimately, we understand that the conclusive proof that Jesus is who he claimed to be is his own resurrection from the dead. Now, I want to assure you, if you die and are buried, I do your funeral and you're buried and you're in the ground for three days And three days later, you walk into this room. I'm going to listen to whatever you have to say. (laughs) But that's not going to happen. But it did with Jesus. And in his resurrection, he validated everything that he had said. The resurrection is at the heart of the gospel. It is not an addendum. It is not something stuck on the edge of the gospel, the periphery of the gospel. It is at the heart of the gospel. Christ Jesus died on the cross for our sin. He was buried, and three days later, he arose in triumph over death. That is the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fourth, I want us to think about the validation of the cross. The work of the cross was not complete until the resurrection. Jesus said from the cross, it is finished. That Greek word tetelestai, it's finished. The debt is paid in full and the transaction became complete and final when Jesus arose from the grave. That's why in Philippians... In the passage that we read a moment ago, the one who was already Savior and Lord was given in completeness the title Savior and Lord. When he died on the cross and arose from the grave, he completed the title that was already his. Jesus arose from the grave and validates the work that was done on the cross Max Licato, as many of you know, is a pastor in uh, San Antonio, written a whole mega bunch of books. And in one of Max, and, and many of you know, Max used to be a missionary in Brazil years ago. He was a missionary in Brazil. 
So he tells a story in his books, uh, his book, Six Hours, uh, One Friday. He tells the story of a, Braz- a missionary in Brazil who had gone to and was sharing the gospel with a tribe. And in that tribe, he found much sickness and illness and, and they were slowly but surely dying and they needed medical attention. And there was a hospital that he wanted to get the, the members of the tribe to who needed physical help. He wanted to get them to a hospital that was not too far across the river that he had come across to get to the tribe. However, they refused to cross the river because they said it's inhabited by evil spirits and so we can't cross the river. The missionary said, I just came across it and nothing happened to me. They were not impressed. He went to the water and he splashed in it and he said, see, nothing happened. They were not impressed. He went and stood in the river up to his knees and said, look, nothing, nothing has happened to me. They were not impressed. Then the missionary thought for a moment and then he dove underneath the water and swam underneath the water all the way to the other bank on the other side, came up out of the water and raised his fist in the air. And when he did, the tribe, the astonished tribe began to cheer and began to clap. And then they followed him across the river to get the medical help that they had needed. Now, I would say to you, isn't that what Jesus did for us? He entered the river of death and came out on the other side so that we no longer have to fear death, but find eternal life in him in Jesus. So we find the validation of the cross. Then the last thing that I want us to notice is the revelation of his plan. I've said this many times because I just feel it's so important for everyone to understand it. I've heard a lot of comments about the cross through the years. Understand that at no time did Jesus ever lose control of what was going on. He is in complete control from beginning to ending. His death on the cross is no accident. It isn't like God had a plan and it got frustrated because Jesus was put on a cross, so he made the best of it from there on. The plan from eternity past was that God would come in the flesh, in the person of his son, Jesus, Emmanuel, the incarnation, and that this Jesus would live a sinless life, that he would die on the cross for our sins as the perfect sacrifice, and that on the third day he would arise again in triumph over death. And because of the cross and the resurrection, our sins can be forgiven. We can have the gift of eternal life. That was God's plan from day one. And it's carried out in all of its detail. And in it, we see the revelation of his plan, and his plan is simply this, and I just give you four thoughts on this. And the first is Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. We sang it a few moments ago. Jesus Christ is Lord, period. He defeated death. Therefore, death does not have the power to defeat us if we are in Christ. Death is not the end. We 
believe in a person and the person is Jesus who died and arose for us. The revelation of God's plan is that Jesus Christ is Lord. The revelation of God's plan is that in Jesus you are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven in Jesus. The cross is effective. It has the power to save. Our sins are forgiven by the one who has the power and the proof of the power is the resurrection. I told this story years ago and I think it fits so I'm going to tell it again. A little boy and his sister are visiting their grandmother live out in the country. And so the little boy's grandfather gives him a slingshot. His first slingshot gives it to him and tells him to go out in the woods, shoot at the trees. Be careful, don't shoot at people, but shoot at the trees. The little boy's not really getting it. You know, we think slingshots are easy, but eh, you ever tried one? They really they got to work at it. So he's having a hard time. So in frustration, he was going to come back in the house. And he, he turns around and he looks and he sees his grandmother's pet duck. So just on a whim, he takes the slingshot and just fires it off, never expecting to hit the duck, but he did. And that was the end of the duck. So the little boy is horrified at what he's done. He goes over and he gets the duck and he hides it in the woodpile. And just as he turns around to go in the house, he's, his sister is standing there. Sister Sally is standing there. She's seen the whole thing. She doesn't say a word. He goes into the house and he's really, really concerned. So at dinner that night, his grandmother says, uh, Sally, would you help me with the dishes? And she says, oh, Grandma, Johnny wants to help you with the dishes. <laughs> and she leans over to Johnny and says, remember the duck. <laughs> well, the next morning... The grandfather says, who wants to go with me on my errands today? And and uh, the grandmother says, well, i got to have at least one of the kids here. Sally, why don't you stay with me and help me fix the day's food? And Sally says, oh, no, Johnny wants to stay and help you. And she leans over and says, remember the duck? And so for several days, this goes on. Everything that Johnny would like to do, Sally does it instead by saying, remember the duck. Finally, Johnny stood it as long as he can, and he bursts into tears and confesses to his grandmother. And he says, I'm sorry, I, I killed your duck. And, and then she says, I know. I saw the whole thing out the window. And I want you to know that because I love you, I have forgiven you. But I wondered just how long you would let Sally make a slave out of you. How long will you let sin make a slave out of you when in Jesus you can today be set free? The power of the resurrection. You are forgiven in Christ. Third revelation of his plan. You too will be raised. You too will be raised we read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Listen, I tell you a mystery. 
We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. At death, you will go into the presence of the Lord. It'll be awesome. It'll be incredible. But there's more to come. At Christ's return, your body will be resurrected. And you will have a new body, one that is imperishable. The grave is not the end. There will be a redemption of the body in Christ Jesus. Lastly, the plan of God is that you will live with Him forever. That's His promise. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. In First Thessalonians, Paul wrote, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will be raised first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Very simply, his resurrection is the guarantee of eternal life. And lastly, the last part of the revelation of his plan is this. The resurrection provides power for today and tomorrow. And that power is found in the Holy Spirit because of the resurrection The promised Holy Spirit came to dwell within us at the moment of our salvation. And He gives us courage. He gives us confidence. He gives us life to the full. As Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That's it. That's it. The resurrection of Jesus. In the ministry for 45 years, I've walked to the gravesite in cemeteries hundreds and hundreds of times, including with some of my loved ones who've gone home to be with the Lord. I'm very glad that that walk is not final. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. So, I'll say it, and you say it back. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Amen and amen. Father, thank you for the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If there's one, two, three, four or more in this room who do not yet know you through Jesus, I pray that this morning 
they will come into a personal saving relationship with Jesus. We love you. We worship you. We adore you. We glorify your name. In the name of our Savior, we pray. Amen. Brother Gary is going to lead us in our song of invitation to give your heart to Jesus. Come. I'm standing at the front. Put your hand in mine. Simply say, Pastor, I need Jesus. A member of our staff will be here to pray with you. You come as we stand and sing.